Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello, America. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you would like to be on the program, I would be delighted to have you. I was going to talk about uh, the reckoning for Democrats on education, and I'm going to get there, but I just got an email from John Ellis. And I want to actually spend a moment on this email from John Ellis. John Ellis writes a substack called News Items. A friend of mine during COVID tipped me off to it. It's a lot of international news I might otherwise miss. And uh, you don't necessarily need to subscribe to it because I steal a lot from him for show prep. He's a, a great, great email. Um, but he was also in the Bush administration and he knows politics. And he, he's, he's definitely more of an expert on it than me. And, and I kind of think I'm an expert on it. So I want to I, I want to actually uh, crib from him to some degree and talk to you about something I'm getting. And a friend is probably listening right now. I don't want to get into who he is, but he'll know I'm talking about him. And let me just read you. I'm in a I'm in a group message. And on, on Twitter, and this was what he sent to the group. Anyone else worried the polling numbers are too good? I don't know. Two years ago, I was cautiously optimistic we would win Georgia. And while I don't see much to doubt about Kemp's numbers, there's just something that keeps telling me to not believe the hype. I bet a lot of you are in the same boat. And I have to tell you, one of the, the things that makes me chuckle are the number of people who email me or call in and say, whoa, 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 stop being so excited about this. You're going to suppress the vote by making people think they don't have to go vote because it's a done deal. No, friends, the caveat out of the gate. You must vote to make it happen. But let's talk about the sense. I suspect uh, that is a growing sense. And I will tell you in my professional experience, irrational exuberance happens. You've got Republicans giddy at the thought they're going to win the New York gubernatorial race and they're going to win the Washington State Senate race and they're going to win the Colorado Senate race. I don't think any of those things are going to happen. There comes a time of irrational exuberance where every little tea leaf is interpreted in the best possible scenario, and that's not so. But, but, here's why I think it's going to be okay for the Republicans. First of all, there's no measurable counter-democratic wave. In 2020, there was a counter-Republican wave. The polling began to detect three weeks before the election. We are a week and a couple days away, and there is nothing being detected. But beyond that, let's take the polls out of it. Take the polling out of this, please. Yes, the Republicans are ahead a little bit on the generic ballot. They tend to overperform. Yes, Herschel Walker's gone into the lead in Georgia. Yes, take, take all that out. Can we step back? If polls did not exist, if polling did not exist, what would my analysis be? Well, my analysis would be a few things. 
one, history. History. The party that controls the White House tends to do badly in the midterms. A party that controls the White House that sees Virginia go in the direct opposite direction the following year in a big way tends to do very badly. And guess what Virginia did? Glenn Youngkin took over. The Republicans swept through, even the lieutenant governor, the attorney general, and the House delegates. That's a harbinger of bad things to come for the party that controls the White House, which happens to be the Democrats. Now, every time someone comes out with new metrics and says, oh, Washington State, you know, so goes Washington State, so goes the nation. Yes, true. In Washington State, during the height of the, the Dobbs decision, uh, went for Republicans, but didn't go as big for Republicans as otherwise. And the Democrats cast that as, aha, look, we've mitigated it with abortion, except the Republicans still did okay. They did better in Washington than people expected. They didn't do as good as Republicans hoped, but they still did good. And a lot of people on the left and in the media said, but abortion, abortion's different this time. Abortion is different this time because Roe v. Wade has gone away. Well, Republicans have campaigned on getting rid of it for 40 years, and now they've done it. And yes, there was certainly a peak, a peak I underestimated. But I think now everyone else has overestimated the impact of abortion. We're at the end of the election, and abortion is not a relevant campaign issue, except in some diehard Democratic districts that might have flipped and now won't. But in swing districts, it doesn't matter. And here's the other thing. And I, I realize we can't go back to polling. I said, forget the polling. But look at where the money's going. Democrats have spent exactly $100,000 to try to flip congressional seats that Donald Trump won two years ago. Only $100,000 has gone from Democrats into a Republican congressional district that Donald Trump won to try to flip that seat. Every other bit of money is going to preserve the map for the Democrats. That means, forget the polling, it means money-wise Democrats are on defense. Not only does it mean that, but Democrats are redirecting money to Patty Murray in Washington State. This is a race I don't believe the Republicans can win. But the Democrats have moved their money to Washington State to help Patty Murray, a woman who should not be in trouble. That's a pretty damning sign that something is afoot. Is it a ruse? Maybe. Maybe it's a head fake by the Democrats. Except the Democrats are also pouring money into Democratic seats that are Biden plus 10 seats, seats that Joe Biden won, congressional districts, where Biden got more than 10% of the vote. Democrats are pouring money into these seats to hold them. There are so many seats that Democrats are on defense on right now. This can't be a head fake because the Democrats are spending too much money in these districts instead of consolidating in 50-50 districts, where if the GOP just wins the 50-50 districts, they have won the House. House of Representatives. You don't do a head fake and spread your money out like that. And then on the Senate races, the Democrats are moving money out of Florida for Val Demings to Washington State for Patty Murray, which means they know Florida is gone. Why aren't they spending that money they've sent to Patty Murray on Raphael Warnock, on John Fetterman, on Mark Kelly, 
on Catherine Cortez Masto. These are races where Arizona was just declared a toss-up race by the Cook Political Report in Arizona, where Herschel Walker is in the lead now in Georgia, the polling average. And again, don't look at the polling, just follow the money. You don't take money out of Florida and send it to Washington State as a head fake when you are essentially at even odds in all these other races. You split the money there or you pour the money in there. So there must be something happening out there for the Democrats to be concerned. Maybe the Democrats' polls are wrong and they're looking at flawed polling, but when they keep taking money from races that are close and putting it in areas of the country where there should not be a close race, that suggests they're seeing something in the water that is giving them heartburn and palpitations, and they're trying to build up a wall not to save a majority in 2022, but to make that majority small enough to be competitive in 2024. It sounds like the Democrats are in retreat and building up now defensive positions. See, I don't think the Democrats are going to lose seats where Joe Biden won by 10 points. What I do think is they could lose a seat where Joe Biden won by five or seven points. And so the Democrats are giving those seats up and building a firewall at the Biden plus 10 seats. So don't take the polling. Don't, don't look at the polling. Follow the money. But then follow the data. And this gets me to John Ellis. In early September, he writes, I thought the likeliest outcome would be a 51 Republican, 49 Democrat weak GOP candidates notwithstanding Senate based on inflation, immigration, and the president. Since then, the incoming Republican tide has become a torrent. Reasons for are and evidence of a coming Republican wave are many, but let's just look at six. One, the Federal Reserve. Last week, we led with the news item from the Wall Street Journal, Federal Reserve officials are barreling toward another interest rate hike of three quarters of a percentage point at their meeting November 1st and 2nd and are likely to debate then whether and how to signal plans to approve another increase in December. It's nice that the Fed is going to have a very thoughtful discussion about QT, but it won't do the White House any good. A 75 basis point increase in November may boost markets or some markets, but for the rest of us, it means higher home mortgages, refinance and home equity loan rate increases, higher interest rates on credit cards, the last thing anyone wants. Number two, the electorate is in a sour mood. The president's approval rating is underwater. By a two-to-one margin, voters think the country is off on the wrong track. By a four-to-one margin, voters think the economy is getting worse. And then there's this from CBS News. To make matters worse for Democrats, the majority of those polled stated that Democrats and Democrat-led policies are part of the problem. Which explains this from the New York Times. Mr. Biden has not held a campaign rally since before Labor Day, even as the future of his agenda and his own political career are at stake. With less than three weeks until Election Day and polls suggesting Democratic enthusiasm waning, Mr. Biden's strategy is clear. He'll help Democrats raise money and hopscotch around the country talking about infrastructure, but he will not campaign in swing states, in swing districts for Democrats. Number three, the Democrats don't have anything positive to say. I live in New York's media market, and the result is seeing political advertising for New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. The Democrats' message is abortion and Trump. 
There's no mention of the party's decades-long defense of Social Security or Medicare. There's no cogent explanation of the Biden administration's economic policies. There's no mention of a better future or even staying the course. No mention of low unemployment. No mention of infrastructure spending. No mention of climate initiatives. No mention of Joe Biden. Nothing remotely helpful. Just that Republicans are Nazis and they're going to force your daughter to have a baby. Number four, but the polls say it's close. Not really. First, pre-election polling undercounts rural and ex-urban voters. Those voters are the ones most closely aligned with what's become known as MAGA. They don't trust pollsters, to put it mildly. Their refusal rate is very high. They are therefore hard to count. Anyone who suggests this is not true has not been following American politics for the last 30 years. Second, pre-election polling is imprecise when it comes to weighting the results to accurately profile the electorate in this or that state or district. 85% of a rural vote... Uh, might vote. 45% of a suburban area might vote. Black turnout might decline. The changes make up changes to the electorate. Given that turnout is difficult to gauge, it's best to allow for a bit more play. Third, the spread is less important than the number. In Washington state, Patty Murray leads GOP challenger Tiffany Smiley by eight points. That's one way to look at it. A better way to look at it is this. Senator Patty Murray, the incumbent, is around 50% which means she's probably not going to do better than that. If the tide is really going out, she might really be in jeopardy. 49% may well just be that, 49%. Five, the Republicans have plenty of money. That's the most underreported story. More than $1.6 billion has been spent or booked on TV ads in a dozen Senate races, with $3 out of every $4 being spent in Georgia, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Wisconsin, Nevada, and Ohio, according to an NPR analysis. Republicans are getting a huge boost from outside groups, which have poured in nearly a billion dollars to buoy those candidates. Just how important have those groups been to Republicans? 86% of the money going towards pro-GOP TV ads is coming from outside groups compared to just 55% for Democrats. And six, the surest sign of GOP prospects have improved. Mark Halperin of World, World Wide World of News. We are about to see a flood of anonymous quotes from Democratic strategists explaining why they are going to get wiped out in either pointing fingers of blame in various directions or saying it was inevitable. The Washington Post has kicked it off today with this quote. The entire issue set is working against us. It is really hard for a Democrat in a marginal district, said one Democratic House strategist who spoke on the condition of anonymity in order to speak frankly. There was a lot of attention on abortion immediately post-Dobbs. As time has passed, the immediacy has dissipated. The everyday reality of buying gas and buying groceries has overtaken it. So could the GOP run the tables on the Senate? Absolutely. The most likely outcome is that Republicans will win back control decisively. My guess is a 53R 47D Senate, and I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if they pick up a few surprise seats. That's John Ellis, and he's not wrong. Forget the polls. Forget the poll trends. Forget the numbers of the polls. Look at the money. Republicans now have more to spend than Democrats. Democrats are pulling their money out of swing states and putting them in Democratic states. They don't do that if they think they're winning the swing states. They stay in the swing states because the GOP has more money. They don't pull out of swing districts to go to Democrat Biden plus 10 seats. They don't do that. And they don't keep the president of the United States locked up in the basement of the White House to campaign. They don't do those things if there's not a Republican wave. 
So for all of you looking at this saying, oh my gosh, are we getting too cocky? Are we getting too confident? Yes, we are. There's a rational exuberance. But that irrational exuberance comes based on the reality of the situation, which is a big Republican wave that some people just presume is bigger than it is. Even though it's not as big as some presume, doesn't mean it's still not a big red wave. It's coming. It's on the horizon. And Democrats are going to be surprised when it hits. Abortion and Trump will not save them. Let's pause and just talk about what's going on in the country for a moment. We got sky-high inflation. We got runaway government spending. Trust in Washington is completely eroded. When government is this dysfunctional, you got to change the course in the country. You know you have to. That's why I'm excited about the work Americans for Prosperity is doing. They're focused on policy solutions that actually improve people's lives, unlike so many in D.C. who just want to play political football and have power. Americas for Prosperity doesn't just come up with solutions. They act on those solutions. They have the largest network of community activists in the country. They are out there every day talking to millions of their fellow Americans. If you're interested in seeing how you can get started with Americans for Prosperity in your community, visit americansforprosperity.org slash Eric today. That's americansforprosperity.org slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. Uh, we have started putting our videos at listener requests. We have started putting the show videos on Rumble. Rumble.com slash EW Erickson. I will add that to the um, links when you text Eric to 33777. It's not there yet, but I'll add it. But it's rumble.com slash Eric. I have gotten requests for, I think, every single monologue I have done today, which is unusual um, that people want all of it. But I, I really do encourage you for your friends who are fretting and worrying about the election to send them that last monologue. I will make sure we get it up. I want to spend time with your phone calls, but here's the deal. Some of you have been waiting really patiently for a while, um, and I want to talk to you. The phone lines are open if you want to call in. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I do want to go on and get to Nathan right now. Nathan, welcome. Hey, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I was just calling because kind of in the underground or kind of under the scenes right now, it seems like H.R. 8404, the so-called Respect for Marriage Act, sounds like Romney and some people are working on some compromise language. So I guess get it past the filibuster and the lame duck uh, Congress. Yeah. And I'm wondering what we can do to try and stop them from stabbing us in the back again before they take back control of the well, for people who don't know, uh, and Nathan, thanks for the question. This is the 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 act that would legally make um, marriage the law of the land in this country between two people. Uh, it would essentially ratify gay marriage as as legal in the country under the law, not just Supreme Court precedent. This is being done because of Clarence Thomas's concurrence in the Dobbs decision that we need to revisit uh, this uh, substantive due process that throws into doubt interracial and gay marriage. I don't think a man in an interracial marriage wants to throw out interracial marriage, but uh, so members of Congress want to change this. A lot of Christians are upset that Republicans would vote for this. I got to remind people that Republicans are not necessarily Christians. Uh, they're trying to do this to take it off the table and make uh, gay marriage not a political issue. They want to do it in a lame duck section of, section, se- the session of Congress 
If you're opposed or support it, you should call your member of the Senate and tell them to stop it, um, to not do it, or to tell them to do it. Your choice. Reach out to Congress. When you're ready to hop into a soft, cozy bed, your sheets make a big difference. Bull and Branch sheets use only the best 100% organic cotton threads on earth for superior softness that only gets more luxurious with every wash. I know because I sleep in bowl and branch sheets. And let me tell you, you know, they start off like your standard bed sheet, and you're thinking, what's the big deal? Well, wash them. You see the difference. Wash them again. You feel the difference more and more. They get softer over time, and they've got the perfect weight. They've got that weight in the summertime where you feel like substantively there's something on you, but yet you're not sweating to death. And in the wintertime, it's just the perfect snug fit for the bowl and branch sheets. They focus on thread quality, not quantity, although the quality and the quantity both are fantastic. Now, they got over 25,000 rave customer reviews made from the highest quality threads you can get. Bowl and Branch signature sheets come in nine colors. They fit all mattress sizes. You will feel the difference. And again, you got a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping and returns. What do you have to lose? Try them. Keep washing them. They get softer and softer. Go to Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch.com. Use promo code ERIC. You'll get 20% off your first set of sheets and free shipping with the promo code ERIC, my name, at bowlandbranch.com. Again, B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch.com, the promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. I should like to say congratulations to Fresh Air Barbecue. I ate there the other night. Uh, Southern Living has named it one of the South's top 50 barbecue joints. Uh, The original one is in Butts County, Georgia. They've got an offshoot in Macon that I go to. Um, They got really good barbecue. Although I do have to say, I have to say, if you're ever in middle Georgia and you want like hole in the wall barbecue, cause you know, the hole in the wall. So I, I have this thing for dive bars and I have this thing for hole in the wall restaurants. If you have a hole in the wall restaurant of the 21st century or a dive bar, uh, you probably are there for really good food because a lot of people will not go eat at a place that looks like it's about to fall apart. And if there's a crowd and a hole-in-the-wall joint, you know the food is really good. And so there's this hole-in-the-wall restaurant um, called uh, Old Clinton Barbecue. And I tell you, yeah, they have really good barbecue, but they also make really good crispy crinkle fries. And who doesn't love a good crinkle fry? So you get a barbecue sandwich. You can get pulled pork. You can get uh, turkey. Uh, you, can get, um, you can get ribs. You can get French fries, and they're crinkle fries. They're really good crin- crinkle fries. But I love fresh air, too. They just don't have crinkle fries at fresh air, and that's the one disappointment. But nonetheless, I love them. I actually have a friend of mine who, Austin, probably listening, says that uh, you, you find Jesus in dive bars. And I love that. Um, not not to riff on this too much. I do want to take your phone calls, 877-973-7425. But uh, a lot of people, I, I have actually met some pretty famous celebrities in dive bars in Atlanta. Um, but I've also met people and I myself have, um, been, uh, just in not good places and gone to a dive bar, just wanted to sit at the bar and have a beer. And there's always someone there to talk. And you find oftentimes some of the nicest people in these places who everybody there has a story and everybody wants your story. And it's just, it's community. You find Jesus in a dive bar. Um, you find people who love their neighbors there in any event. 
Um, I just saw the story about Fresh Air Barbecue. If you saw the picture that is used in the story, you would think that a gust of wind would tip this place over. Uh, if the place tipped over, people would show up today to put it together overnight because they'll want their barbecue from it tomorrow. Fresh air is that good. Now, uh, I got to go to the phones. Robert, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show, Robert. How are you? Hey, Eric. Sorry I missed you when you were out here at Reynolds the other week. Oh, my gosh. It was so nice out there. I, I'm I'm ready to go back. I know. We got a good, we got a place out here. You ever heard of uh, Silver Moon? I have not. It's, it's a restaurant. It's right on, I'm 44 there. And all it says is drink and dine on the outside. And That's you put your name my on the sort of place. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, my question is, we have sold, we have, we've depleted our oil reserves. Are we getting paid for? How much are we getting paid for? And what are we doing with the money? Okay. Great question. So here, here's what happens. Um, we, have our oil in oil reserves. They're in salt mines. Uh, the reason we put them in these salt caverns is because uh, oil does not dissolve salt. They're 4,000 feet underground, so they're safe. Although there is some concern in the Wall Street Journal today that they may be so depleted uh, that they could rupture when we refill them. Um, we've never depleted them this low. But what happens is uh, the, the oil is sent to refineries it is bid on by oil companies who take the excess reserve. It's sold at a lower rate to bring gas prices down to flood the market. Uh, bid on by oil companies, they refine it and then they sell the gas. So the we the taxpayers are reimbursed money from the oil companies who buy the oil from the Biden administration. But by virtue of releasing the oil from the oil reserves, we lower the price of a barrel of oil, uh, and then when the reserves are gone, the price of the barrel of oil goes back up. Does that make sense? Well, it does, but I still want to know, are we holding that money that we get so we can refill the reserves, or are we putting that money into the general fund and Biden's using it? Hey, look, I reduced the deficit that much more. Ah, that's a good question. Um, I'll, you know, I don't know the answer, but I'm going to check on that. My guess, my guess, Robert, is that it goes into a general fund because there's not a separate segregated fund for buying the oil reserves. Since we buy the oil reserves out of the general fund, my guess is that the money goes back into the general fund. But I'm going to dig into that and see. That's, that's a really good question. Uh, I would like to know the answer, question? too. I, I think so, too. I think that's a good question, too. No. Yeah. Yeah. I'll find the answer for us, Robert. Thank you so much. And all right, so the silver moon, I'm going to go check out the silver moon. Thank you very much for calling. Um, The silver moon in Eaton, right on Lake Oconee. Hmm. Speaking of uh, Lake Oconee, uh, that is Green County, Georgia. Green County, Georgia, y'all need to know that's home of Reynolds at Lake Oconee. I mentioned this yesterday. Uh, I need to go to Reynolds, honestly. I need to go sit in that little cabin by the lake and just decompress because Barnsley is always filled up. But nonetheless, I digress. Uh, That county has the highest turnout in terms of percentage of voters. That county is overwhelmingly Republican. And by the way, uh, there is signal polling out now that has Herschel Walker in the lead in Georgia. Republicans are increasingly thinking he may avoid a runoff and just win. Uh, Now, how do we also know, take the polling out of it, Democrats are redeploying money to Georgia for Raphael Warnock, which is a danger sign 
for the Democrats that they would be redeploying money this late in the game for Raphael Warnock. Now, I wish to move on to other things. I will take your phone calls, 877-973-7425. I got to talk about this education stuff for a moment. I, I really hope that if you're a Republican in my state of Georgia or in any other state, if you're a Republican elected official, please listen to me. Please take this in the spirit in which it's intended. I really hope you will realize that school choice is the civil rights issue of our time. And I really hope you will realize that you have a chance to improve the lives of kids. What's coming in this election in November is not just a repudiation of economic policies by the Democrats. It's the wrath of parents. Biden administration officials are coming out and suggesting that uh, they never wanted schools to be shut down. Here is Dr. Ja, who is one of the, what is he, the Surgeon General? He's one of the COVID experts for Biden. I think there are many of us in the public health community who are arguing for in-person education as safe, doable, really useful for children. Um, there is not one single view, but I think there is no question about it. Uh, many of us believe from relatively early in the pandemic that um, that it was really important for kids to have in-person education and advocated for it. Obviously, I was advocating as an outside, you know, as an academic expert. He was an academic expert at the time. But a whole host of them were arguing that schools needed to be shut down. And the ones who wanted the schools shut down are the ones who got all the attention. And those who wanted the schools shut down won and teachers unions backed them and the teachers unions around the country kept schools shut down. And now you've got Randy Weingarten and the what American Federation of Teachers out there claiming none of us wanted these shut down. How can you say we wanted schools shut down? We just wanted everyone safe. No, no, they wanted schools shut down. They're lying now. They're openly lying now. And parents are furious. Parents are furious. And there's going to be hell to pay because parents know they were played. Because the parents parents know their kids were set back. Now, you know, I mentioned yesterday an NPR reporter who says we can tell that students regressed over the last year. We just can't say why they regressed. Well, we know why they regressed because of the COVID shutdowns. She's playing coy here. She's, she's being too clever by half. But there is actually an additional question here that needs to be answered. How many parents pulled their kids out of public schools and sent them to private schools? And I bet a lot of parents who could did. But unfortunately, that leaves poor families who have good kids deprived. This is a civil rights issue. And it actually does make me mad that there are Republicans around the country who are opposed to meaningful school choice. 
Can you not just start a program that says if you're the child of a law enforcement officer or someone in the military active duty, that they qualify to go to a private school and that the money that flows from the state to the school system will follow that child to subsidize a private education. Can you not just start there? Let the children of our law enforcement and military personnel go to private schools. That's what Florida did. And then they expanded it. That if you were at the poverty line, that they would pay for you to go to private schools. You had to get your kid to the private school, but they would pay. Can we not start there? Can we not do this? In my state, we have an opportunity tax credit where people can pay into a program that provides tax credits to subsidize private education. Can we not retool this program and allow real school choice for poor kids and the kids of law enforcement and active duty military to go to private schools to improve their educations? Look what's happening in Florida. The numbers speak for themselves. Florida did well. They didn't do great, I should say, but they did way better than most other states. And it's not just because their school's open, but because you have a lot of kids who are able to go to private schools. And for those of you who are Christians who say, well, I don't know. I don't know that they want these kids to come to my school because the state would regulate my school. Well, you don't have to accept the kids or encourage them to write the law so that the, the, the state cannot impose on your religious school the state's values. There's a way to structure this to make it happen. This is the civil rights issue of our time. Parents are in a backlash. They're in a backlash against school systems and boards of education and Democrats who shut down the schools and caused their children to fall behind. They're in a backlash because during virtual Zoom call education, they saw the terrible education that their kids were getting. They've seen the wokes, they've seen the indoctrination. Why can't you open the door and expand the opportunity for kids to be able to go to school and get a better education? You should do this, Republicans. The Democrats had their chance to improve public education. They've made it worse. Republicans take on the civil rights mantle, whichever state you're in. Champion school choice. Allow poor kids to get better educations in the free market, through the private sector, in private schools, please. We must educate the future of this country or we will fall behind. And the best way to do that is to provide competition. And the best way to provide competition is to provide for our children to escape failing public schools and get them into private schools that actually take care of them and provide for them and teach them. Now, I want to go to the phones before I get out of here. Scott, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Thanks, Eric, for taking my call today. Um, I have a question. American Airlines recently announced that they're getting rid of the first-class seats on their planes. Um, They said that people just really don't buy them as much. They prefer the business class. It's interesting because the Biden administration made an announcement this week that first-class seats on planes are racist. So do you think yeah. this is something with American Airlines as being a walk company that's standing up to this going on? Yeah, okay. So so here's what we, we what people need to understand is on long haul flights, that is on international flights, like uh mm-hmm. their triple sevens that go uh to Asia and Europe, 
American Airlines is getting rid of first class. They're going to keep business class. So they're going to keep uh, log leg room and big seats in the front of the plane. They're just not going to do the lay flat seats and stuff. They say people don't want them. Now, I will tell you here, in all honesty, Scott, American Airlines is the worst airline on planet Earth. Um, American yeah. Airlines has a terrible, terrible reputation. In fact, a buddy of mine who does, um, who interviews people in the airline industry said what's notable to him is that when he talks to Delta's CEO, Delta's CEO knows every single thing about every single one of their competitors down to the inches of the, of the seat and the inches in front of him when he sits in a seat in one of his competitors. And the American Airlines CEO is absolutely clueless about his competition, doesn't know anything about it, uh, can't answer questions about the competition, is totally ignorant, uh, which explains everything you need to know about American Airlines. But, uh, yeah, is American Airlines woke? Yes. Remember, American Airlines is also one of those airlines that was pushing people on the planes to read Ibram Kendi and, and uh, the, all the woke intersectional racism books out there. So, yeah, if American Airlines went bankrupt tomorrow, very few people would shed a tear, including people who fly American Airlines regularly. They're just a trash company, and they need to improve. But getting rid of first-class seats on long-haul flights is garbage. The probably reason they're doing it is because they've priced them too expensive, and the competition has a better ride and a better fit anyway. Now, I need to tell you about, ah, what I'm getting, yeah, 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 business class seats. Uh, Andy, listener Andy says the business class seats on international flights on American lay flat. So who knows why they had first class to begin with. They're just a terrible airline. You guys need to go get your three-pack of the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. You do, and you need to clear the air. Maybe American Airlines needs some. You can buy them and get rid of noxious odors. It just doesn't just get rid of the dust and the pollen, although it does. It also eliminates odors, like wipes them out. Like you can take this into a car where someone's been smoking, plug it in with a USB cord in the car, and it wipes out the smoke odors of the car. It eliminates pet odors, litter box odors, frying odors in the kitchen, musty odors. I travel with one in hotel rooms because the musty odors in a hotel room can be eliminated with an Eden Pure. What you do is you go to EdenPureDeals.com and you put in the discount code ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. Put in ERIC3 at EdenPureDeals.com. You get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. You're saving $200 and you get free shipping. The website again, EdenPureDeals.com and the discount code is ERIC3. Hi there. Well, I, I, I got to bring you some deep thoughts from our vice president of the United States, who's largely been in the witness protection program, but uh, they've trotted her out to safe districts. And again, this is another data point for you about how I know the Republicans are going to do well. Uh, and the election is because when you're sending the president and vice president only to safe areas of the country for Democrats, they're not trying to persuade voters. They're trying to just mobilize their base. This is Kamala Harris. Deep thoughts. Today, 95% of our school buses are fueled with diesel fuel, which contributes to very serious conditions that are about health and about the ability to learn. Yeah, those diesel buses... They, 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 they harm your ability to learn. I guess she's been huffing the fumes. One more. So here's the thing. Who doesn't love a yellow school bus, right? Can you raise your hand if you love a yellow school bus, right? Just there's something about 
And, and most of us, many of us, went to school on the yellow school bus, right? And it's part of, it's part of our, our experience growing up. Who doesn't love a yellow school bus? The wheels on the bus go round and round, and she's going to get thrown under it by the Biden administration after November. My goodness gracious. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, the yes. Okay. I, you know, honestly, I, I'm at a loss for words after after all of that. Her, her deep thoughts. Uh, I would play you the cackle from cackles, but it would take too long, and we're out of time. So I will see you guys tomorrow. Text Bourbon to 33777 to come to the event tomorrow.